they fooled me. I need to think more carefully next time they try and fool me. No, they just continue with the programming. These people are completely and utterly slave-minded, genuinely slaves. They live inside of a system, and the system they're going to purport and fight to defend is going to destroy them. They're not fighting for a system which is going to give them anything other than absolute slavery and tyranny. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interests. That's right. You know something? They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting by a system that threw them overboard 30 years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. This transmission is coming to you. This transmission is coming to you. This transmission is coming to you. Welcome to your deep dive for truth. Everyone out there is searching for the truth, but sometimes the truth hurts. It can have repercussions that are detrimental to the health and safety of you and your family. The first thing all truthers need to know is that the system will always try and discredit the information provider when said provider start informing the general population and get too close to the truth. Therefore, the Deep Dive for Truth team, we stay safe and anonymous while providing the opinions or facts that some of you may have never heard before. The desire for truth runs deep in all truthers. If you want to know more, join us on our Deep Dive content and support the Deep Dive for Truth team with your positive responses only. Any negative response is not appreciated. Red pill or blue pill, this choice is for real. Reality is here. Would you like to know more? Welcome to Deep Dive for Truth. Welcome to Deep Dive for Truth. This is Big T for Truth. Remember, this is fiction. They are watching. As you all know, that there's uh, definitely some interesting stuff coming through the system and the system generation right now. We're going to talk a little bit more about what they're finding out and what's happening with the food shortages and more information on vaccine, things you haven't heard, or possibly some of you might have heard, but we're roping this all into the system. And we had previously recorded an episode uh, based on the global families, the leaders of the human race financially, and I have been hesitant to release it. There's reasons for that. So we're still moving around, doing the best we can with our situation. Uh, pretty much all funding has come to a complete halt. Besides the fact that anything that we get to our website, if you go to our website, you can donate a buck or uh, buy a t-shirt or become a truth ambassador and help help out the uh, Deep Dive for Truth team. Talking about vaccines and our foods and uh, basically our health, how it's going to affect it. Big farmers role to play in it. And uh, so let's start with the first little information and then we'll do a little talking about it. See what you think. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are here down on Cold Street in front of the Royal Theatre for the premiere, the Toronto premiere of Uninformed Consent, and we're so happy to be here with Dr. Byron Bridal. Todd Harris, who is the filmmaker for Uninformed Consent, will feature Dr. Byron Bridal in the next documentary coming up. So thank you so much again, Dr. Bridal, for joining us. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. Go on. Excellent. Okay, so um, we're now living in this world where I think people are tired of COVID. You know, I think people have COVID fatigue. The data for people... So this uh, doctor here is a vaccinologist and virologist. ...who have been awake 
is so overwhelming. We have Dr. Asim Holchak coming out and talking about you know, his nine-month uh, peer-reviewed study about the fact that the vaccines don't work, that they're actually more harmful. There is some data to suggest there is, certainly with recurrent boosters, mm. probably an immunosuppressive effect, which you really couldn't make up. So a vaccine is causing an immunosuppressive effect. I think what we're dealing with now, with, with hindsight, is uh, perhaps the greatest miscarriage of medical science we will witness in our li lifetime. So that was a uh, cardiologist consultant, Dr. Asim Mahaltra. Um, you know, what is going on with this whole new push? Despite all this evidence, it's like the government is still doubling down hard on the mRNA vaccines, pushing new mRNA vaccines. Yeah, this is what I find absolutely remarkable. I, I, I agree. Um, I mean, I've been following the science right from the beginning. Uh, and I can tell the public that, that our public health officials and governments have not been following the science. And it seems like as each week passes, more and more people are seeing very clearly that we're not following the science. Indeed, like, so for example, one of the things that's amazing is, uh, I'll never forget what really changed my life largely for the negative was a year and a half ago when I was asked on a radio show um, if I thought there might be a potential link between the Moderna vaccine and heart inflammation that was being observed in young males in Israel. My answer was yes, and I began expressing uh, my concerns about some of the potential mechanisms in it. And one of the big things, of course, at that time was I had uh, just seen data that had been provided by Pfizer to the, to the Japanese government showing that our public health messaging was completely incorrect, that these vaccines, these new messenger RNA-based vaccines, were not behaving like traditional vaccines, but were actually getting distributed throughout the whole body. Um, I was attacked. I have been attacked incessantly for a year and a half now. Uh, I still have colleagues at my own institution who still routinely harass me and attack me in social media. And yet, uh, recently it was interesting, the CEO of Moderna was interviewed by Yahoo Finance, and just matter-of-factly off the cuff during that interview mentioned that yes, Moderna's been learning a lot about myocarditis over the last year with their vaccine being in use. And, uh, and yeah, they, they now recognize some people get myocarditis and it seems to be because the spike protein gets to the heart, right? After uh, scientists like myself have been attacked so viciously when we said, you know what? The spike protein, these lipid nanoparticles get into the cells and they don't just get into the cells in the shoulder and express the spike, spike protein there. Yet we have CEOs of these companies now offhandedly uh, mentioning this and yet these technologies are still being pushed despite every week there's new studies that come out. Right? Another one very recently just came out showed uh, very clearly, although at low concentrations, these mRNA vaccines could be detected in breast milk. Right? And, and this is being discovered in people after the public rollout. So people used to get very upset when they used to say, like, well, this is really, we're still in the experimental phase. But we're learning all of these things in the public rollout, not in clinical studies, in the context of clinical studies. And it's very frustrating as a scientist to see all this happening. And this messenger RNA technology is being pushed so hard, despite all the concerns, and I don't really understand why that is. I honestly don't. Um, and I was actually just thinking recently, for your listeners, you know, we're thinking about these messenger RNA technologies being used in people. Um, I was actually very concerned when I saw that the messenger RNA vaccines getting into breast milk and then uh, potentially being passed along to infants. And again, don't let anybody say, well, it's a, it seems to be at very low concentrations, because I would ask, what is a safe concentration? We have no defined safe concentration. And remember, what we're talking about is the blueprints. Uh, when these blueprints get into cells, especially babies that are suckling on uh, and, and getting breast milk, I mean, these are... Ba their babies' cells are incredibly metabolically active. And it's like these things are like blueprint, right? They can build as many homes as they want. And same thing. So when these things get into the cells of babies, they amplify the product, the spike protein from the SARS coronavirus 2. 
Now I have concerns if this is if this is actually getting in what we call shedding samples, uh, of which breast milk would be one of the fluids, you know, where, where where these vaccines could be passed on from an individual to another individual. I start I'm starting to get worried about because it's interesting. This technology technically is not new. It's it's new, relatively new for being used in people. It's been used for quite a few years in agricultural species. And I'm actually starting to get quite worried. If, if these vaccines can get into things like milk products, I start worrying about our food products. People have to realize these technologies are not only being pushed hard now uh, in people, but they are being fast-tracked. Many of them are being fast-tracked. And we're going to have our food species loaded up with these messenger RNA vaccines. And we need to understand whether or not these things are getting into our food products now, things like eggs and, and cow's milk, etc. This is the actually astonishing thing is we know that psychiatric drugs don't break down in the body and you know it comes out through urine and we see it going into our lakes. Uh, we see these products showing up in the marine life. And so what do you fear it would be the worst? My biggest concern would be that we might be consuming uh, messenger RNA vaccine products, you know, through our food unknowingly. And again, even if it's small amounts. Now, now this is actually a concern. So people might say, okay, uh, we, again, we don't know because we haven't been looking for this. No, but, so we need to do the research. I keep saying as a scientist, all these things we're talking about are very valid concerns and we need to do the research so that we can really get definitive answers and know whether they're legitimate concerns or not. But here's, here, here's an example of a concern. Let's say, let's say for example, uh, we, we start using a lot of mRNA, messenger RNA vaccines on poultry. One area, so for example, one area where people are looking at developing messenger RNA vaccines for use in poultry, so we're talking about things like chickens and turkeys, are uh, messenger RNA vaccines to target the influenza virus. That's because, guess what, a lot of the most severe uh, influenza outbreaks that we experience as people actually come from animals, right? Zoonotic disease, so specifically the swine flu and avian flu. And so this is the interesting thing. So the concept is, if you vaccinate these animal species, they're not going, in theory, so, and this is a concern too, because we haven't seen so far that messenger RNA vaccines are capable of preventing infection. But the concept would be that we vaccinate these animals, and if they can't get infected with the influenza virus, then they can't infect us with the influenza virus. So my concern, though, is if you put in messenger RNA vaccine, let's take chickens, for example. If we vaccinate chickens with the messenger RNA vaccine against the influenza virus, and some of that ends up being packaged in the eggs, and then we consume the, those eggs, uh, people don't realize there's a concept called oral tolerance. Uh, oral tolerance, it's, a, it's an immunological mechanism whereby our immune system learns to not respond to things that we consume. The purpose is we don't want to be mounting uh, immune responses against our food. So this prevents things like food allergies, it prevents things like chronic intestinal inflammation, things like Crohn's disease. So we call it oral tolerance. So things that you consume, generally speaking, our immune system will learn not to respond to it. So now think about this. So if we are unknowingly consuming uh, vaccines directed against the influenza virus, especially if those vaccines cause uh, in our, in our um, gastrointestinal tract, um, the antigens to be expressed, so for example, against the influenza virus, there's the theoretical risk we could be tolerizing ourselves against the influenza virus. And one of the ways in order to make oral tolerance work actually is to uh, administer these antigens, uh, in particular, what often works well are low doses, low doses. Uh, can you imagine? So this is, this is a legitimate scientific concern. If we start loading up uh, animal species with this and we start 
risking tolerizing ourselves. Can you imagine if we start tolerizing people unwittingly against influenza virus? What that means is that our immune systems, if we were to be infected with the influenza virus, our immune system would not recognize it as a dangerous foreign pathogen, but re actually recognize it as something that should not be responded to. That would actually make people highly susceptible to severe influenza. This is the incredible thing, is you are bringing out this science and the government is not doing the work, public health is not doing the work, there is an agenda. The last interview we had, we spoke off camera and I asked you, you know, was this corruption that we're seeing now, that's so clear to anybody who is being objective, was this corruption that we're seeing at all levels of government, public health, um, you know, known to you and you said, you know, back then you said, you know, I was, I was naive to the level of corruption. How does this play into what we're looking at here? Yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah, so I have to admit, at the beginning of the declared COVID-19 pandemic, I, I was relatively naive. You know, as a scientist, applying my trade, just looking at the science, all of the COVID science fell right in my area of expertise because I have expertise in virology and immunology. So I saw very early on that we were, that our public health policies were diverging very quickly from the science. We weren't following the science. And yeah, for the longest time, I, you know, if, a lot of people speaking out on what they thought the reasons might be. You know, I, I tend to write a lot of that off as conspiracy theory stuff. I, you know, I, I've started looking into a lot of these things and have been shocked by some of the things that I found. So let me give you one example, Glenn. So uh, a key example, I've been looking into Health Canada. And I, I'll admit, so, so for example, I have had uh, one of my vaccine technologies ultimately go into four human clinical trials. Um, I naively assumed that Health Canada was there to serve Canadian taxpayers. Uh, and in theory, that's what they're supposed to be doing, right? Their, their mandate is supposed to be looking out first and foremost for the well-being of, of the health of Canadians. And they should be vigorously reviewing uh, all the science being provided by big pharma companies, and they should be uh, liberally requesting lots of additional data so that they can gain confidence in the safety and effectiveness of these products. So I looked into that, and I was very shocked by what I found. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people do realize, but a lot of people don't realize that Health Canada, the majority of their income now, the, the funding for their operating budget comes from Big Pharma, and so uh, these documents are publicly available. So one of the things I learned right now, the the fee that a that a company like Pfizer, Moderna would pay for to have their package reviewed by Health Canada to see if they can get approval for a new uh, medical product. The fee is just under half a million dollars. In 2023, it'll go up to just a little more than half a million dollars. So it's about half a million dollars. And this is the interesting thing. The first time a company submits uh, a package for review to Health Canada, they don't have to pay anything. It's a freebie. That comes across to me very much like a business try, trying to promote their product and you know get a customer hooked to a product. And then uh, upon the second submission, they start getting charged this fee, half a million dollars. What's interesting is if Health Canada does not provide them with, the, uh, with a decision on their application package uh, uh, within six months, they have to return 25% uh, of that fee. So I'm looking at this, and if you're, uh, regulatory, if you're managing a bunch of regulatory scientists within Health Canada, there's gonna, you're going to apply a lot of pressure on those regulatory scientists to make sure that they process these applications quickly. Uh, you know, so if a, regu a regulatory scientist were to say, I've got some concerns here, these are, these are large, complex data packages. And if they were to say, I've got concerns, I need an extra few weeks. 
uh, somebody man in the management role in Health Canada is not going to want to lose $125,000. That's basically the entire salary for one of the regulatory scientists. And then also, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. If if you are not accepting companies' products, especially if you're not accepting their products on a re fairly regular basis, you risk losing that customer. And if you lose a customer like Pfizer or Moderna, you're probably losing you know, a lifetime of nonstop submissions, which means a continual half-million-dollar fee you know, being paid. Uh, that's a huge amount of money. If you lose one of those fees uh, from a company, you're losing the salary for four of your regulatory scientists. So. I have serious concerns about uh, what's going on. And so again, what I can say definitively, so what, after doing my research, Health Canada, clearly, the model that they're following is very much a business model, and it's not in the best interest of Canadians. Uh, it's, Big Pharma is essentially paying Health Canada to review their own applications. And the, all the benefits that Health Canada would, would, would get from this process is if they keep those Big Pharma companies happy. Um, and, and to me, the number, th the number one thing that needs to happen is we need health regulatory agencies across the world. We need, to, we need them to start following different models. I'll tell you, me personally, I'd be okay with having my taxes raised a little bit and have Health Canada wean completely off of income from Big Pharma and paid for by tax dollars. And then the second thing that I think would be really important is there's this interesting type of position in academia where, where somebody like myself can be a tenured, we call it tenured faculty member. That means your job is quite secure. You have to do something fairly egregious in order to lose your job. And we need regulatory scientists of integrity who have that kind of protection, the equivalent of, of, a, of something like tenure, where they can feel free to speak up if they ever have genuine concerns about what they're seeing from big pharma companies and their application packages. You know, they need to feel free to speak up and, and, and let Canadians know that the, they have those concerns without their, their job being put at risk. It's incredible, and thank you so much because you're shining a light on the fact that we basically see Health Canada, our academic research institutions, being shills for pharma through these conflicts of interest. So they're serving big pharma is what they're serving, and, not, and, and, and Canadian taxpayers are, and our health is secondary. Yeah, and so I want to ask you, so we know your stance as a scientist to how demoralizing this must be from that standpoint, but how about as a father? You are the father of a special needs child. How do you feel when you know that Health Canada is not working in the best interest of not only us, but our children? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I, I've got two sons, and, and like you mentioned, uh, one has Down syndrome, and I, I love them, uh, you know, like any parent does uh, so much. Yeah, this, this is really why I've been speaking out now, Glenn, for, you know, as they've seen, as they've seen our public health policies in Canada, uh, moving so far away from where the science should be leading us. That's why I'm speaking out, honestly. I, my, my main concern has always been for the children. You know, for the past two and a half years, there's been so many disagreements about COVID-19 science, so many. And I, 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 what, as I viewed it is, it's really an adult battle. And it should have been left as a battle being waged among adults. But we started holding up our children as shields in this battle, right? And this came through this total misconception which is based on incredibly fundamentally flawed science right 
that uh, this this concept of asymptomatic transmission, where we, we everybody recognizes now, children are at incredibly low risk, statistically zero risk of dying from COVID-19, and yet we have been using them shields in this battle, forcing them to be vaccinated, forcing them to be masked, because we keep telling them and everybody else that if we don't do that, they're gonna you know spread. They, they have the, even though they're healthy and well, somehow they have all kinds of this pathogen spewing out of their body, and they're gonna kill other people. Right? So I've been trying to argue, leave our children out of this right from the beginning. So that's why I spoke up. And absolutely, we ha moving forward, we have to defend our children. As long as we don't have the best interests of uh, public taxpayers uh, at heart when we're dealing with public health policies and Health Canada's review of applications from Big Pharma, it's our children that are ultimately going to pay the, the biggest price by far. Uh, and, and remember, we have to keep in mind, Children are the ones, especially children are the ones that still have all kinds of physiological development to do. So literally when it comes to uh, potential risks associated with whatever new medical product it is, whether it's a vaccine or a drug, um, they're the ones at the greatest risk of harm. So final word going forward then, how do we, when the COVID data has fallen upon deaf ears for so many, government, the public, how do we move forward to shift people's conception of the way that the actual health industry actually works? <laughs> I guess that's the, uh, the the big question right there, Glenn. Honestly, um, I'm at a bit of a loss when it comes to the solution moving forward. Uh, what I do know is we need to, a, a lot of our organizations, health organizations, in my opinion, need to be gutted. Need to be gutted and replaced with people who have demonstrated the ability to work with great integrity over these past two and a half years. That's the only long-term solution I see. One of the things that I'm very concerned about is as the mandates, you know, masking mandates and, and uh, vaccine mandates are being dropped, a lot of people are, it, it's interesting. So, like in, you know, you often hear this term, forgive and forget. In our society, forgiveness is not, is not much of an acceptable uh, activity anymore. Virtually nobody does it. There's going to be no forgiveness for harms that have been done, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and when it comes to the world of science, there's too many large egos involved, I believe. Um, but I, I am concerned that people are going to attempt to forget or get people to forget, but we can't. As these policies are removed, a lot of people, I get the feeling, just want to say, okay, let's just move on and try and forget. Let, the, let stuff disappear in the past. But the whole infrastructure remains in place. The entire infrastructure that led to the segregation of Canadians uh, and, and all of these harms inflicted on our children all remain in place, and they can all be triggered at a moment's notice. So that's why we have to remain diligent and we have to change these organizations. It starts with, let's face it, education is often the starting point. Um, I'm going to call out a, a, a school here. Not everybody here was a problem, but I'm telling you, places like the Dalana School of Public Health uh, at the University of Toronto, in my opinion, that curriculum needs to be looked at very carefully and probably torn down and rebuilt. Uh, and we need places like Health Canada. We need our regulatory scientists of integrity who are working there and with the freedom to express their concerns. And one of the things we definitely need is the um, colleges that, have, that, that govern our physicians, our surgeons, you know, uh, naturopaths, all our health professionals. They need to be rebuilt from the ground up. Right? These are all key problems. And then we especially need, we need our government officials they're experts in politics. They are not experts in medicine. They're not experts in public health. And we need to stop having them pretend like they are. Uh, what they're doing is all, all they're capable of doing is parroting what these other organizations tell them. Uh, so we have to take these, these kind of health policies 
out of the hands of these politicians who really don't have the expertise to deal with this. And, and we need, and we need, and the other thing I guess I would say is we saw these committees formed. Um, committees formed in order to provide advice to our governments uh, during this time. We need to really consider how these committees are put together. Uh, and again, and the number one thing, number one thing in terms of the solution moving forward is we have to end all of the censorship. We have to allow, we have to get back to allowing free discussions about the science. That's, iron sharpens iron. That's how science has always worked. Uh, and sci scientists, we are trained to be open to and to accept criticism from others and deal with it constructively, right? Uh, if, if, there, if we see reasons why somebody's criticism doesn't seem valid, we're welcome to, to uh, try and change their mind through reasoned scientific arguments, and they're welcome to do the same to us. And as scientists, we have to be obligated to follow the overall weight of the science. So we have to restore this freedom to practice science and medicine the way it's supposed to be, which is open dialogue. And through open dialogue, and the public being able to witness this open dialogue, they are ultimately going to be able to make the most informed decisions uh, you know, possible to ensure that their health is maximized. 100%. You know, we've seen the co-opting of all of our regulatory bodies so that there is this need exactly for what you're talking about. And I think me, as a, as a former public school teacher teaching young children, I can definitely say one thing that we noticed, that I noticed as a teacher, was we don't teach children how to think. We teach them what to think. Yes. We don't teach children to assess something, to deconstruct something and say, does this work for the benefit of everybody? We just say, this is how it works, and this is how we'll move forward. So I think your solutions, number one, uh, look at our, our, our academic institutions, our scientific dialogue, and are we having actual discussion? And then breaking down our institutions and then rebuilding those yes. are the way forward. Thank you so much for everything you're doing and for your voice and all your sacrifice that you're doing, Dr. Bridal, because it's well appreciated by so many and not enough people. You're welcome. All right, that was Dr. Byron Bridal, vaccinologist and virologist specialist. So it's an interesting conversation. So the interesting fact is that they're finding out that this is through human trials here, that they're shedding these mRNA spike proteins and into babies from the mothers, that it can actually spread through the food items and whatnot. So this is really good stuff. I wanted you guys to hear it. So do you remember when people were complaining about Moderna and that they were using aborted fetus cells as part of their whatever. So they came up with a, they call it a Christian vaccine for people that uh, do not want to support abortions. So basically they're targeting Christians with a new vaccine and here's a little information on that. Uh, the vaccine's called Novavax. Welcome back. Well, as you know, on this program, we focus most of our vaccine attention on the shots put out by Pfizer and Moderna. You know, the clot shots, the bioweapons, the euthanasia injection. But there's another shot on the market these days created by the company Novavax. People say that this shot is Christian-friendly because it wasn't made using stem cell lines from aborted fetuses, but is it actually any better? Well, we turn to our medical contributor here on the Stu Peters Network, Dr. Jane Ruby. So there is a Christian vaccine. I, don't, I can't. Uh, go ahead. They're going to try to get this into people any way they can, Stu. But I don't like this uh, targeting a religious group and, and actually targeting them with lies. Let's do a quick review of how Novavax is made, very important. They take the mRNA technology, you know, the synthetic, you know, chimeric thing, it's the same 
dangerous thing. But instead of directly injecting it into you, they inject it through, they put it into a baculovirus, which is something that doesn't infect humans, supposedly, but it infects arthropods like moths. And what they do, Stu, is they actually use the moth's genetic machinery to make billions of spike proteins at the direction of this mRNA code. And then here's what happens, Stu. They extract those billions of spike proteins. Again, the same <clears throat> dangerous, synthetic, uh, the never-before-seen-in-nature spike protein that's highly toxic and aggressive in the body. And they inject you in a solution by the billions into your body. However, Stu, what they've done, Novavax company is very interesting. They added a toxic substance... I kid you not, you can look it up yourselves, called saponin from the soapwort tree. Saponin is very, very toxic. It's in, when you inject anything, it's going into, into your body, into the compartment. We know that it's going to go into the compartment, the blood system, and it's going to go everywhere in the body. But you're mixing the, the genetic material of an animal. In, there's nothing Christian about that. And then injecting into the body. But the saponin was added because they say that it's an irritant and it will sort of rev up your immune system even more. Stu, these are dangerous psychopaths. They're on the warpath to make money. They don't care how they hurt you. They just want to, you know, they want to rev this thing up. They, they're there's nothing Christian, by the way, of introducing an, uh, the mixture of an animal's genetic material uh, into your body, number one. Uh, there's nothing uh, Christian, if you will, or, or any other religion in deference to God about inserting known toxins into your body. Uh, it, it's just, it's just in, incredibly outrageous. And a lot of people have been pushing Novavax for many months now as an alternative. The, the military's been doing it, and so I get a lot of questions from the military asking me if this is safer. I've said to them, no, it's dangerous, just in a different way. Uh, we can show you proof that in the C-19 Telegram channel, Dr. Peter McCullough some months ago was touting the supposed safety of Novavax. This is very dangerous. I don't know if he was misinformed. I don't know if he still promotes it. But we've got to start pulling back. These are, these are next-generation uh, bioweapon shots that are going to maim and kill uh, just because they go about developing them in a different way is not any safer. And as you can see, they've actually added a toxic component because they think it's going to, you know, instigate and stir up your immune, immune system to be even more reactive. It'll be more reactive, all right, but it's going to damage your immune system uh, for probably forever. Billions of spike proteins manufactured. Okay, the spike That's protein correct. we've identified as the freaking killer Okay, and this is probably also the thing that's being shed on other people, making them incredibly ill, sick, rashes, headaches, uh, and God knows what else. Menopausal women are bleeding. Uh, women are having irregular menstrual cycles. I mean, you're not supposed to bleed when you're not supposed to bleed. This is the spike protein. There's still billions of them being manufactured here. But rather than uh, spike proteins and Petri dishes full of DNA from, I don't know, German hedgehogs and African king cobras and bats and pangolins from China, uh, now it's moths. So, I mean... Yeah, and, and let me add one other piece, Stu, that's part of this whole toxic, you know, safer note 
Novavax. They take the billions of spike proteins, they extract them from these moths, and they embed them on graphene sheets. You can see in the picture I brought here today for your, your producers. They embed them on these graphene sheets, which they then fold into tubules that Anthony Fauci did talk about in his testimonies to Congress, uh, and then they insert that into the saponin adjuvant liquid uh, directly into your body. It's insane. There's no safe vaccine. These are not vaccines. Uh, I'm really taking issue with frontline doctors who continue to call them vaccines. That's a red flag. Beware. Yeah. Uh, for bringing this to our attention, thank you very much, Dr. Jean Ruby. And, you know, we've been uh, bringing this to your attention for quite some time. This is not the first time that we've talked about Novavax on this program. We were actually here talking about Novavax about six months ago, and we brought these pictures of these moths. Uh, now, Dr. Jane actually bringing more. But we are adamant at the Stu Peters Show. Every single vaccine that's on U.S. soil right now, manufactured in China or India, lacks quality control. There is none. We're not just talking about these stupid C-19 bioweapons that we know have a diabolical and sinister method of transhumanism behind them. They're killing people intentionally with these. But every other vaccine should be incinerated, should be deemed dangerous, and in many cases, deadly. We have no way to monitor the safety of this. Bring pharmaceutical manufacturing right here to the United States. Create millions of jobs. Billions of dollars would be injected directly into our own economy, putting America first and Americans' health care actually first. A soil right now, manufactured in China or India, lacks quality control. There is none. We're not just talking about these stupid C-19 bioweapons that we know have a diabolical and sinister method of transhumanism behind them. They're killing people intentionally with these. But every other vaccine should be incinerated, should be deemed dangerous, and in many cases, deadly. We have no way to monitor the safety of this. Bring pharmaceutical manufacturing right here to the United States. Create millions of jobs. Billions of dollars would be injected directly into our own economy, putting America first and Americans' health care actually first. That's the stance. And I understand what he's saying about America first. I get that. He's an American. But uh, I think we need to make it worldwide human race first. We need to get everybody out there understanding what's going on. All vaccines are, are at risk right now. They're using the whole vaccine system, and a lot of these vaccines are no longer true vaccines. They have been adding the spike protein into the human race. The spike protein enhances the illness, especially in cancers, and um, accelerates them. So that was another good one that I had to get out there for you all. Uh, remember, this is fiction. They are watching. Um, I just want to get the information out there. Do your deep dives. Uh, do your critical thinking. Keep uh, searching. I'm just going to keep pulling, firing these things out there. And guess what? You guys can uh, be truth ambassadors. Find the truth out and then record it. Write it down. Go back to our all our episodes, our older ones too, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. All the old episodes that are linking everything together. You go back and listen to them. Write down the keys. Get the key truths out of each episode uh, from the Deep Dive for Truth team. And that way you can build up an outline and show people where it came from, the information, what's going on, how they're using it as a weapon, a silent weapon for quiet wars. And that's what they're doing here. So you have, if you haven't gone back and listened to those things, if you haven't re recorded some information off of each of our podcasts, yeah, that's a great idea. Go back and hit the key notes and information about how the system is affecting us. We are now going to talk about Mr. Bill Gates. 
you know, he's a very important man, buying up a lot of farmland. But did you guys all know that he was investing in the fake egg food program? So go ahead and think about this. Let's think about it. They are developing fake plastic rubber eggs that have chemicals that directly affect your liver. He invests in this company or these companies and the scientific breakthrough for food. And then all of a sudden throughout Europe, they started announcing, oh, we have bird flu epidemic, blah, blah, blah. We got to kill all these hens, chickens. And then all of a sudden these food factories are running into trouble. And then all of a sudden Connecticut has a hundred thousand hens burnt up in a fire. Now all of a sudden eggs are a shortage but everybody loves eggs, so they mass produce these fake eggs. And at the same time, I'm hearing and reading and learning. There's a big push saying that, oh, egg yolks help stop COVID-19. Think about this. Shortage of eggs. Everybody likes eggs. People that are concerned about COVID-19 now buy eggs because they hear that it helps shut down COVID-19 transfer. So now they're buying eggs thinking that they're all getting eggs. And these are the people that are not vaccinated are now getting these fake eggs that are loaded with chemicals that are going right to the liver. This whole thing is being manipulated. People understand what's happening. We, the Deep Dive for Truth team, cannot get the word out to you enough. Our numbers are going up. We're getting people out there that are paying attention. They're shutting us down on financing and being able to get advertisements, and they're trying to probably keep, keep us from getting the word, the word out. So we only have you people to spread the word. And we only have you people to help us financially. And that that's a great help. I'll take anything for support to keep us going. But pretty soon they're going to make laws against speaking out, which they're already trying to do throughout the world and other places. If you spread any what they call misinformation that's against their information, then they're going to try to lock you up and shut you down and put you into camps and then... You know, so right now we're we're still in the fight. I'm going to keep going as long as I can. Like I, I promised everybody, this is for the human race, my family of humans that we need to pull together and try to overcome this. So we got to try to beat the system, but I'm I'm uh, fighting an uphill battle. This is Bill Gates, and it's a connection to the egg and food shortages by Emerald Robinson. Americans have no experience with food shortages, but that's about to change. At least 96 food processing plants have been damaged or destroyed under the Biden regime. This has garnered very little attention, of course, in the corrupt media. Two days ago, Hillendale Farms in Connecticut caught on fire and 100,000 chickens were killed. Hillendale was a large supplier of eggs in the Northeast. What exactly is going on here? Why are there so many food plants being knocked out right now? Here's a list of them for you to consider. So we started digging into the story about the egg industry, and here's what we found. In 2013, the best friend of the infamous pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, a man named Bill Gates, invested in a strange new idea called fake eggs. Why would Gates do this? He was very clear that it had to do with overpopulation and, of course, climate change. Bill Gates is the one who decided that real eggs were not on the menu in the future for you. Here's where this story gets even creepier. A recent medical study has found that real egg yolks are effective against fighting the COVID virus. They might be, quote, a feasible tool for the prevention and control of ongoing COVID-19, end quote. So Bill Gates is deeply involved in the COVID vaccines and he's deeply involved in the fake egg industry. How could this be a coincidence? Listen, they're not predicting food shortages. They're planning them. And that's 
The absolute truth. And so, hey, a natural way to fight COVID, great, but they want you on those other eggs that are not good for you, plastic eggs, and we're going to go into that next. Just stick with us so we can keep giving you the information. Here we have uh, how to identify fake eggs, and it's pretty interesting. How to identify fake eggs. Processed foods have enough of artificial ingredients and chemicals to spoil your health. Added to that if you fall prey to synthetic foods like plastic rice and fake sugar, your health goes for a toss. If reports are to be believed, after plastic rice and sugar, there are fake eggs in the market. What are these fake eggs? Some reports say that they are made of chemicals. Gypsum powder, paraffin wax and calcium carbonate are being used to make the eggshells. What about the egg white and the yolk? Well, they are said to be made of benzoic acid, calcium chloride, gelatin, alum, sodium alginate and certain other compounds. Such chemicals could cause liver issues, nerve cell damage and metabolism disorders. Well, whether the reports are true or not, it is better to be careful when you buy eggs. Here are some ways to check whether the eggs you bought are fake or real. 1. Real eggshells are not so shiny. If the eggs shells are bright and shiny, they could be fake ones. 2. Using your finger, touch the shell. The surface will be smooth if the eggs are real. Fake egg shells have a rough surface. 3. When you shake a real egg, you probably won't be able to hear anything but fake eggs contain fluids that could make a noise. 4. When you crack the egg, real eggs show the yolk separately whereas in fake eggs, both the yolk and the egg white fluid tend to mix. 5. Well, these are just a few tips. Actually, it isn't so easy to identify fake eggs. So, be careful and buy eggs from a trusted source. Okay, that's anonymous. Just trying to put some stuff out there for us. That's great. Just so you guys can kind of have an idea of which way to be looking for and going for your eggs and and uh, checking them out. It's very important. Fake eggs are real. Oh. And how do we know? People are actually talking about it, purchasing them, and... Walmart eggs are made of plastic. Glue or something, I'm going to make some breakfast. This is plastic. The whole top part is plastic. All this is plastic. I just cooked the egg. This is plastic. This is plastic. There is something up with the eggs. It goes well beyond just the feed and the yolk being on the outside. Something is up with the eggs. It's like... This woman boiled them, and they came out this deformed with a internal yolk that's rubbery instead of pasty. Look at this crap. This are those rubber eggs, honestly. Can you believe that? It's so gross. And these are from Eggland, okay? Has this ever happened to anybody where your eggs turn out to be rubber and hard? Look at that. They kind of bounce. Oh, this is so gross. Egg from Aldi. Wait, there's more. This is also an egg from Aldi. I don't know. I'm a little suspicious of their food now. I felt pretty confident about their food. But now, not so much. All right, there you go. That's people uh, actually going to the stores. Walmart, Aldi, Eggland, Best Farms, different types of eggs that are fake. 
they're actually coming out with uh, rubber and plastic uh, once they cook them up and so pay attention if they start to bounce around your plate they're probably not real this is big t and the deep dive for truth team trying to protect y'all give you information let you do your deep dives your critical thinking keep supporting us it's great i'm glad we're positively helping the human race god family country we love you i'm just going to keep it going as long as i can and thanks for the support keep fighting the good fight against the system till the next time peace the deep dive for truth team is about digging for the truth the truth about topics that may or may not be based in reality but based in the control and manipulation and misguidings of our species by the system the system that is not for the human species but for the entitled ones of the human race if we are going to make a change we need to do this collectively using the system against them knowledge resources species building we will not be controlled by any government media or status group we will be for you the human race we will need your support to tackle this endeavor we will do this with or without you but the only way to challenge the system is with everyone's support there will be connecting topics to show the thread of truth from beginning to the end throughout our series we will be having some fun hoping that the system may not notice us at all mainly ai Hidden in the information, we will remove the blindfold obstructing the truth. That truth will be unveiled to those who really want to know. Everything about the removal of 90% of the human race. Binary code messages play on words within the jokes, the jests, and the possibilities will propose. Again, this is fiction. The system is watching. You will be informed as to who, what, where, and why the world is the way it is. You will find out where we are heading and the possibilities of hope and change for our species. The nature of our existence is to gain knowledge. When you follow us to the end, you will become an ambassador of truth. You will be able to spread a warning to our kind. You will be able to spread a message of hope, life, and a future for our species. If you want to follow someone who has been digging deep dives for 35 years and has threaded the needle of truth and who has put the big picture together, then this is for you. Remember. You may not always like what you see, but you will be able to see and sense what is the truth around you. It is time for the Great Awakening.